Hey, slop dog! The Brainiacs are ready! We are back, baby, and we have a full crew here today. I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to this. I am your host, Slapdog, and welcome into Leather Brains. I am joined here today by some people you probably have never even heard of. It's been so damn long. We have both Yeti and Alan in the building. Gentlemen, I'm surprised you're alive. I got to be honest. It has been such a long time. So congratulations on still living, and it's great to have you both here today. Like a uh, young Michael Jackson or Jordan once said, I'm back. Yeah, Michael Jackson. Michael, he's not well, back. Michael Jackson. <laughs> if he says that now, that would be amazing. Well, be yeah, incredible. Be, he comes back. Breaking yeah. news. Michael Jackson's yeah. back. Yeah, I think we've all just been really busy with summer stuff. I've been drinking way too much lately, so it's just kind of how the summer goes. You getting a dad bod, you think? God, maybe. Not that that's yeah, like a just... bad thing. I mean, I'm definitely, I'm beyond the dad bod. Like, I'm like, yeah. I'm old man bod. But yeah, it is what it is. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Sorry, guys. My cat wanted to join. It's too. okay. It's fine. Uh, well, gentlemen, I, let's let's just. Uh, is there anything we want to talk about before we get to the news? Is there anything we need to touch on, or are we just ready to get down to business? I'm ready to talk ball, let's, man. Let's let's do it. Okay, let's, let's get down to do business. It. Let's get down. Let's get down to business. First piece of news, gentlemen. Football's coming. NFL football Yeet. is coming. All thirty-two teams their their training camps have begun and it is getting closer and closer we are one week away from the hall of fame game 43 days until dan campbell comes in and shits all over the chiefs for the very (laughs) first game of the 2023 nfl season very exciting it's been too long money on that no, I don't think I'm gonna bet any money on it. I think I'm. Uh, I think I'm just gonna root for the Chiefs or the the Lions, excuse me, from the uh, side. I'm not gonna be rooting for the Chiefs. If D Hop went there, like I said, I would be, but I'm not, Fair. and I am a Dan Campbell supporter. So we are a pro Lions podcast. I think is that what we decided. We are okay, and I have to honor that even in Week One. So okay, that's fine. But you can still root for the Chiefs. That's I think you're you're a Chiefs fan. So I think in this case. You obviously can root for the Chiefs. Yeti and I, I think we have to root for the Lions. Oh, for sure. I think everybody outside of the Midwest is going to be cheering for the Lions. I think. In this game. I oh, outside of Missouri. I guess Detroit might be in the Midwest. I don't fucking know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many Detroit's fans are still. Uh, yeah, well, this year, they're probably they're really excited for the Lions, I'm sure. Um, Regardless, we are going to be sports ball fans yeah. in seven weeks. Yeah. Six Sounds weeks. like a good poll question. Is Detroit the Midwest? I would say yes. yes. No? I would say yes. Uh, I don't know. That's Canada, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Uh, the Giants and running back Saquon Barkley have agreed to a one-year deal worth up to $11 million. I don't really... Like, this to me was... I was surprised. Like, I, I guess it was... You look at it from the Lions... Or the Lions, the Giants' perspective, and Saquon Barkley is is their, their whole team. Right. So they want to try and do something to appease him. And I think that's kind of why they they did what they did is they both mutually agreed like, hey, look, we're going to pay you enough. So you shut the hell up and you come to practice and you play football for us. But you want to go look around next year, go ahead and shop around because the, the market for running backs right now, as we know, is not very great. Right. So that was my look at it. However, the Giants could also use a franchise tag on him next year as well. So, did you guys have anything like did did this deal say anything to you guys when you initially saw it? I think just how nothing changed from what his tag was. It was like virtually the exact same thing except he just had guaranteed more guaranteed money, like 2 million dollars. I I think on the heels of that text thing that they had with all the running backs, I'm shocked that he just basically went and got a deal he basically already had. That didn't make any sense, but it's signed, so whatever. I guess the security of it all. And it's kind of odd, though. What surprises me is that he reportedly had a deal of like it was a three-year deal worth like forty-five million dollars. I don't know how much of that was guaranteed, but that was during the season. He turned it down. So I'm curious why he decided. Okay, a one-year deal makes sense when I can be franchise tagged again next season when I'm going to be 27 years old, another year older, and then the giants are going to kind of force my hand again because I'm 27 years old. And what if I don't stay healthy this year? 
you know, he puts himself in the same exact situation a year uh, in a year. So I don't know. It's a very precarious situation, especially after talking with all the running backs. He kind of just shit on them and said, well, I'm going to go get my bag real quick and then you guys can figure out your contract issues. Yeah, that that to me was that whole running back debacle was very, very interesting. And and I don't know, I'd, I'd be love to be a fly on the wall for that Zoom call that they had, but what do you do? Like, what do the running backs do to try and increase their value? Because I don't, I'm going to say this, and it's it's laughable to say this, but running backs are almost a dime a dozen these days. Like, that is where it, this is trending for the NFL. We've talked about it before. The NFL, or the running back position is kind of, I don't want to say they're phasing out because it's still important, but we're seeing multiple running backs come in and, and different, sets and situations for for nfl teams so it's not just a one down back anymore we're turning away from that so why pay these guys top top dollar value when you can go get two guys that you can both play simultaneously or back and forth and they don't get injured and they're both usable and then there's constantly new young fresh legs coming into the nfl so why pay these guys top dollar you know and speaking about this john taylor Running back for the Colts, he is one of the best running backs in the league right now, is on the the physically unable to perform list due to contract negotiations rather than his actual physical ailment, which was his ankle. So another running back that we kind of see is playing the game and he's trying to he's a little upset with his his contract negotiations. And then, of course, we have your uh, your boy there over Yeti Raiders running back Josh Jacobs. He will not report for the start of training camp. He was spotted leaving Las Vegas on a flight Monday morning, and he's told people close to him that he doesn't plan to return anytime soon. So is this just the game that running backs play now where they're just like, fuck my team. If they're not going to pay me, I'm not going to show up. Like, is that you guys are both nodding your head? Yes. Sounds like you guys are kind of in agreement that that's the situation that we're trending towards. I think overall, it's 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 an interesting um, place where we were. I think even five, six years ago from what we thought about running backs to now, like even look at us from a production standpoint in fantasy, right? Like I think we are a high level view of how football works, right? We we know where the value is. We know where the people are. And even if you look at fantasy drafts now, I think even 10 years ago, you didn't see wide receivers looked at going number one. Number two, do you take three wide receivers right away? And I think the the game has changed. You can't lay out wide receivers. They last longer. They're super athletic. You have guys like Jamar Chase that kind of look like running backs that are out there playing wide receivers. So it's the game of football, I think, is evolving. And unfortunately for some of a lot of these really talented guys, they're in the mix of a war of where do we spend our money. And I think this is just going to continue to play out over time, especially with rookie deals. Mm -hmm. Somebody like Isaiah Pacheco, by the time he comes up, and goes through his whole process is going to be like 27, 28 years old. And now you have the narrative of aging running back. So it's across the league. It's going to keep doing this over time. And I think it's running backs, athletes, college from on the way down. got to figure out how do I want to play the game to fall in line if I truthfully want to maximize my contracts as I get get older. And Alan, you bring up a good point with the rookie contracts, especially for Rookie running backs, I think that contract is doing them a disservice because by the time the rookie contract is up, they are 26, 27 years old. Like at Jonathan Taylor, he still has two years on his deal. He's going to he's gonna be 26 years old. He's going to be in that same exact situation that Saquon Barkley is in right now because Jonathan Taylor, he's a good, young, promising running back. But like I said, his age is going to be up there when his contract is due. But John just signed a four-year deal. He's going to be 26 when his deal is up. So it's almost like these rookie deals need to be shortened for running backs to benefit them in the long run. Let me give you two to three years of solid production. I'm going to be 24, 25 years old, and I can still get a, a four to five year like max, not max contract, but a little more money than that I deserve. Yeah, I wonder if this will play out with the NFLPA when they look at restructuring all this and if this if they'll go to bat for running backs as like like the union right they need to they need to get paid i wonder how this will play out and if you'll start seeing any whispers of negotiations holdouts like from a nflpa perspective but i bet you will i i mean you think about it like they're they're going to want to protect that that asset that is the running back position and so yeah i think that uh and i agree with you yeti i think that's a really good point i think if you are able to shorten the rookie contract maybe like a two or a three-year deal for them that gives them a whole lot of power to go out there and get the second deal i've talked to nfl players before 
who are on rookie contracts and they're not prominent that one of them was a defensive he was a defensive lineman for the broncos and i was talking to him and i i asked him this question i said you know i said what is your he he was a rookie last season right so he had just signed his year he was drafted uh, fairly early and i said man i said has, how has your life changed i said obviously you walked into some money right and I said, so how has that affected you from a personal level? And he said, well, he goes, you find out who your friends are. And I said, I believe that. And and he said, but it's not like I walked into a shit ton of money. He goes, I wasn't a first round pick, right? Uh, he goes, I yeah, he goes, I comparatively to what I had, yes, I walked into a lot of money, of course, but I'm not, you know, I'm not, I don't have multiple millions of dollars on my rookie deal. He goes, you make your money in your second contract. He goes, that's where you make your money. And he goes, and a lot of people don't really realize that. And I said, for sure. So you look at it like that. Same thing for running backs. Obviously, somebody like Bajan signed a shit for a shit ton of money on his rookie deal. But what's he going to get after that? So it's it's just interesting. We're starting to see that league shift that you mentioned, Alan. And I think that that it's going to continue to be the trend until maybe the, the Players Association steps up and kind of puts a stop to it. So I'm interested to see what this what happens for the future of the running back position in the NFL. The future running back position for the Bills with Naeem Hines is not great because Naeem Hines is expected to miss the entire 2023 season after suffering a torn ACL in a jet ski incident. So jet skis are dangerous, gentlemen. It's not all sunshines and rainbows on those things. He wasn't even moving. Doesn't matter. He was st- he was stationary and somebody ran into him. <laughs> what are the odds of that? They're terrible. <laughs> But it Unreal. sucks. I, you know, I, I don't know how much this really, I think it maybe affects the backfield just a little bit. I think James Cook, in my opinion, was always going to be the RB1 behind back there. But Hines was a great return man for them. So it kind of sucks. And I think it, if anything, it kind of shores up that even more, more solidification that James Cook is, is going to be the guy. So Alan, your wide receiver for the Chiefs, Kadarius Tony, he underwent an off-season cleanup procedure. I don't know why he did not do this a long fucking time ago in the off-season, but he uh, he had a knee aggravation and he got a procedure done on Sunday. He is expected to be ready for the start of the season, but still not a great look for Kadarius Tony. I'm going to be honest with you; he struggled with injury his entire NFL career thus far, and it looks like it's still haunting him in some ways. So, any concern from you on that? Um, yeah, well, a couple of things. One, like a cleanup procedure sounds like it's not like cleaning up the back room and it looks the same. Like you're literally shaving down parts of the knee and you basically shorten the shelf life of that knee, you know, over time. So you can only, you only have so much there. Um, uh, a little concerning. I thought maybe he was going to turn a corner with injury. It sounds like this is, just, this is who he is, which I think the chiefs kind of knew. Uh, I think a little bit of a foreshadowing to what we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show as to why I pick somebody, but yeah. Okay. Not great. I don't think, I don't, I think, I don't think he's going to play a full season. I think he's going to be out a lot of next season. Well, and a lot of people were hoping Kadarius Tony was going to be the wide receiver one for the chiefs this upcoming season. And and now I think this, if anything, this kind of puts a shadow on that and makes people really sit there and think, well, he's still struggling with health. So yeah, definitely, definitely concerning. Uh, Chargers have signed their guy. That guy is Justin Herbert. He has agreed to a five-year, $262 million extension. So Herbert will be one of your rivals for the next five years, Alan. So yeah, good for him. Yeti. Good for the Chargers and Yeti. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I always, fuck, man? I don't know. Like I was gone for a couple weeks and you're like, yep, fuck you. Yeah, no. sorry. Man. Raider- uh, <laughs> we were just talking about the Chiefs, the Raiders. Yeah. I don't know if there's I, I a lot to it. talk about. Um, yeah, I get it. Um, but anyway, with this contract, I'm kind of surprised that it happened this year because he's not in a contract year this year. He has another year after he has another two seasons to play. Um, I guess that this deal probably got done because they want to beat Joe Burrow to the punch. Perhaps. I, I assume. Yeah. But it's it's kind of crazy that you had tweeted out or we had retweeted somebody on Twitter that Patrick Mahomes, who is arguably the best quarterback in the NFL right now is the eighth highest paid quarterback. So I looked up the seven in front of them. It's Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, and now Justin Herbert is the highest paid quarterback. Wow. It is worth noting Aaron Rodgers. There's news that broke today that Aaron Rodgers is looking at taking a pay cut of roughly 34 
36 million, I think it was 36 million dollar pay restructuring that the Jets took on when he uh, he was traded from Green Bay to the Jets. So I find that to be kind of funny, to be honest with you. I think that's that's the ultimate fuck you from Aaron Rodgers to the Packers organization because he wasn't willing to do it with them, but he's willing to do it with the Jets. So maybe Aaron Rodgers does not stay where he's currently at. But yeah, I mean, good for Justin Herbert. Uh, the Chargers uh, very obviously would have been complete fools not to do it. So he got his bag. So good for him. While we're talking about quarterbacks, Brock Purdy has been cleared. He had an elbow injury that uh, took him out of that playoff game, and he has been cleared for training camp. So he's expected to be on a pitch count. He throws for two days, followed by one day of rest. Head coach Kyle Kyle Shanahan said that they hope to have Purdy throw without restriction in about two weeks, which is incredibly surprising. I think that if uh, I have... I have flipped my coin. I have done a 180 on this. If Purdy is ready to go, I think there's serious competition for him to take over and be the quarterback starting week one. So I don't know if you both agree with me on that or not, but I was in the camp that his surgery was going to take a lot longer for him to get on the field and leave some opening room for Trey Lance. I think if he's ready, there is a really good chance that he ends up being the the quarterback for, for the 49ers this season. Yeah, I think I know you slaps at the end of last season were the Purdy train was rolling, you know, we were all feeling ourselves and there's something to be said about how a team responds to a quarterback. And I think you saw how that team was responding to him towards the end of the season and you can poke and prod at who he was playing, but still it's the NFL, they're professional football players. So I would agree with you. I think this kind of lends itself to, I don't know if the 49ers are helping this along quicker too to get him into the mix because they're, they don't like what they see. Maybe from the consistency standpoint, but I that that we know that roster's loaded. They just need somebody to not fuck it up, get it, get the ball into the hands of the guys that need it, and get the fuck out of the way. And I think they they feel like Purdy is that guy. I I'm with you. I feel I think you could see him start week one. And I agree with you guys that Purdy should be the day one starter. I'm just a little surprised that the 49ers aren't going to give him a few weeks to help recover because they still have Trey Lance, who they spent a lot of draft capital on a few years ago. And they, they kind of know what they have in it with him, but I think they still need to test him out for a few weeks. And they could use those few weeks to get Purdy healthy even more. So it's kind of shocking to me that Lance isn't even a consideration at this point. I agree that Purdy is probably better at this point, but still from a, a, a draft capital standpoint, it's like, what do we do with Lance now? I, I think it comes, it's a, it's a chicken egg type scenario because as an NFL team, you need reps, you know, you need that continuity. And so you can't just like, it's not Madden. You can't just plug somebody in, take somebody out and your offense to feel the same. I think this is a strike while the iron's hot. I think they feel Purdy gives them the best option to do that, and you need to get those reps now. So it's kind of like, for us, doesn't quite make sense. Let's see what you got. I think for them, I think they know. I think this might be a tell, and they know. I think and we'll see as the practice reports come out to see who's running more of the ones, but I think they might know. Yeah, and I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think we're going to have to really watch closely and see what practice reports are showing and who's getting those first-team reps. But I, I think there's every bit of chance that Brock Purdy – wins it over Trey Lance. And and then it, it begs the question that we've talked about at nauseum at this point, what happens with Trey Lance? Because they spent a lot to get him. Will a team pay for him? Where would he go? I don't know if he goes anywhere because we saw what happened when the quarterback room was completely depleted for the 49ers. So they're probably going to hold on to him, but it certainly kind of sucks for them that Mr. Irrelevant suddenly became their, their star quarterback while the guy riding the bench cost them three first round picks. Question for you slaps. Do you think there's a world in which they re-sign both of them and Trey's like, I'm fine just backing up? Like, that's cool with me if we feel like I'm good enough to be a part of this team and, and help us in some way. Do you think they keep them both? I don't know because it's all going to come down to money. That's what it's going to come down right. to. And and are they are the 49ers, not the 49ers, but are both of these players almost willing to to take less money? You know, like if you're Brock Purdy... And you're the starting quarterback. You're gonna want. You're gonna want to get paid like a starting quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. So, is he willing to take less money because Trey Lance also is gonna want to get the bag? And so, can you afford to pay both these guys not as a quarterback one? Yeah. But are they both willing to take a pay cut of sorts so they both can yeah. stay on the team? And and I can yeah. guarantee you, if Rock Purdy's the starter, 
Trey Lance is going to go shop himself around. There are other teams out there that are going to be looking right. for a quarterback. The Commanders are just one of few. So there, he will try and shop himself to try and make himself valuable enough to get money. That's what this league is. So I think it's a great thought. I just don't think financially either of those two gentlemen are going to say, you know what, I'm willing to take half of what it would it would take for me to stay here in order to keep the other guy around because it's a competition. You want to be quarterback one. So last piece of news here. Cole Komet got the bag as well, baby. A four-year, $50 million extension for Cole Komet. I'm excited for this. Cole Komet was the leading receiver for the Bears last year. Obviously, we know that this Bears offense is going to look a little bit different this upcoming season, but I think Cole Komet is still going to be very involved in this offense, and I think this signing kind of proves it. They want to keep him around. They believe in him. He did a great job for him, so congratulations to him, and I like Cole Komet this upcoming season. So... This is one of those signings that you're kind of like, eh, like when you look at it from a fantasy perspective, because Cole Komet's stat line isn't very sexy. But if you look at what he does on the field, he's a very valuable asset to Justin Fields on this offense. So um, I don't obviously the contract security is nice from a fantasy perspective, but don't put too much into that. No, I'm not saying go get Cole Komet as your tight end three off the board, but I'm just saying like if you own him in dynasty, like, you know, he's going to be tied to this offense for a while. And he, he certainly had usability last year. So I, I'm not saying it boosts him as far as fantasy potential ADP, but I, I like Cole Komet. I liked him last year and I think his ADP where he's at is, is pretty accurate. So gentlemen, we have some fun things to talk about today. We last week, I know you guys were were off and not here, so Scotty and I talked about some draft busts. This week, we brought some draft day targets. So these are people that you are targeting to get in your upcoming redraft leagues. So we have uh, a list. We've each brought three to the table, and I'm very excited to discuss this. So let's bust. Lord have mercy, I'm about to bust. Yeti, why don't you take it away, brother, with your first draft day target. All right, so we kind of talked about this guy a little bit in the news uh, just a little bit ago. Uh, my cat agrees. Um, I'm going to talk about Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is the first my guy uh, that I'm, I want to talk about here. So Justin Herbert, last year, he finished as a quarterback 11, which was kind of disappointing for where he was drafted last season um, and given what we expected this offense to be. But I think it's very evident at this point that this team just couldn't stay healthy last season, including Justin Herbert. I think people tend to forget that Herbert, uh, he damaged his rib cartilage pretty early in the season, which we so saw did Scotty. play. Yeah, Scotty and him, they're kind of pseudo rib twins here. Um, but Herbert, he very much wasn't himself after that injury. It took him a few weeks to get back to Justin Herbert that we're used to seeing. And when he was healthy, he looked great. And then once he started getting Keenan Allen back in the mix, once he got Mike Williams in the mix, we we saw Herbert of old. So I, I'm excited for Herbert to bounce back this season. Uh, he threw for nearly 5,000 yards last season. And the reason why he finished outside of the quarter or top 10 last season is because he only had 25 passing touchdowns, which obviously is not good. Great. I expect that number to go up quite a bit with with healthy pieces coming back. Uh, the addition of Quentin Johnson, the rookie uh, wide receiver from TCU. And I, I love the addition of Kellen Moore, offensive coordinator, coordinator from Dallas, who made Dak Prescott a weekly top 10 fantasy quarterback option. So I'm willing to or I, I'm targeting Justin Herbert in every redraft. Uh, he is the quarterback seven right now, going behind guys like Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, and just in front of Trevor Lawrence. So I love Herbert at his current ADP. Okay. I will go ahead and uh, I'll bring a quarterback to the table too, and it's Tua Tagovailoa. So he finished his quarterback 15 last season, gentlemen. What is interesting is he finished at quarterback 15 while still missing four games last year. So really, if you look at it, he actually missed five games because he got concussed at the very beginning of week four. So he only put up three points and then he got concussed. And so I, I technically on, on paper, he missed four weeks, but really he missed five and he still finished his quarterback 15. So Tua is currently being drafted as quarterback 11 off the board. So he's not if you're in a, a 10 team redraft league, he is not 
in that top 10 range. But what I find to be interesting, so let's let's look at the numbers. In the games that Tua played, he was scoring an average of 18.4 points per game. So with the four weeks that he was gone, if he played all 17 games, he would have finished as quarterback six. But let's now, let's take out that one week where he started and got the concussion, okay? So we do that. His new average is 19.63 points per game meaning he would have finished his quarterback five. So he would have finished his quarterback five on the season. He is two of the fastest wide receivers in the game on an extremely high-powered offense. Both those wide receivers are both wide receiver ones, and they're very, very usable. My biggest concern is the concussions. I am afraid of his mind potentially getting boggled up, and I'm going to state that. But I think that's just incredible value for a a quarterback that is not even a top-ten quarterback. Like That is a late-round guy. I don't like taking quarterbacks early in, in in redraft formats because I think, and we've talked about it before, the disparity of points between quarterbacks is pretty minimal, all things considered. So you can typically wait. He's one of those guys that's going to be sitting there in the later rounds, and I'm grabbing him in every single league that I can because his output and his production, I think, is far going to be better than than what his current ADP is. So Tua is my first uh, my draft day target. I uh, I just have a quick question. For either one of you guys, um, I know we've all, everybody is kind of talking about Tua's concussions at nauseum at this point, which is fair. It is fair. Do you guys think that the Miami offense is going to change at all, knowing that he can't hold on to the ball as long due to his possibility of getting a concussion? I I highly doubt that. I agree. I highly doubt it as well. I think if anything, it's going to be more of a focus in saying, hey, offensive linemen, get your shit together, you know, because... What are you going to do? Like, it, you know, we saw what we thought was going to be a, a two-headed dog back there in the running back situation, and we kind of did, but they were still very pass-heavy. Why were they pass-heavy? Well, when you have Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, you need to get the ball in your playmaker's hands, and so you're not going to run the ball with them. Of course, you're going to throw it. So I don't see that necessarily changing as much. I think there is certainly an emphasis on trying to protect him this year, and that's that's what I, yeah. I think we're going to probably do hopefully see a little bit more of i and to answer your question yeti i think it's going to come down to how miami plays this year you know obviously they're in the east so it could be a shootout which means they need to throw more but if their defense is holding people down and miami needs to hold on to the ball a little bit more i don't think you see as many of those you know long drawn like drawn out plays and maybe a little bit more quick hitters where he isn't getting hit or maybe they do lean on the running backs so that'll that'll definitely be a part of it. But, I mean, I think McDaniels doesn't want to – he can't change his offense because a guy's brain might get scrambled. He's got to go with what he's got and make decisions off that because his ass could be on the line too if he starts changing his stripes. It doesn't work out. Agreed. Alan, All who right. are you bringing to the table, brother? Yeah. Um, so I brought uh, Amon Ra, St. Brown, the sun god himself, the to the dog. table because I – think he is going to flirt with top two three wide receivers this year i think from overall points production and let me tell you why let me tell you why there's a few things at play one uh jameson will not be present as much early on and i think is going to be a little bit of an issue for that team with who are they going to get the ball to Coupled with the fact that I, the Lions right now own a top 10 schedule in the NFL and their first six weeks of play feature secondaries that gave up a shit ton of points to wide receivers overall. I think especially if you're looking in that second round and you missed on what you feel like are and what we all know are the top wide receivers in the league, I think Amon Ra is going to come out of end of the year and be one of those top two wide receivers overall. Not only with the schedule with the targets if you look from week eight to week 18 he drew at eight targets in 10 of those 11 games posted 300 yard plus games um, and had six games of at least 75 yards receiving the only drawback i feel like for him right now if you look at his production where he is with um yak things like that is he's not like super duper explosive um i think he is a possession guy i think he needs the volume and i think he's going to get that and I think those defenses through the first six weeks are going to allow him to get that, which if he gets a six-week head start of just eating, he may peter out and may have some lulls in there where he's not going to be 
all in all going to get you the the 10, 15 points per game that you're looking for from a fantasy owner. But I think at the beginning of the year, he is going to eat and eat a lot. And I feel like that's going to propel him and prop him up for the rest of the year and could help your team early on secure some wins and get yourself a nice little cushion when you talk about the end of the year playoff push. I, yeah, I mean, I'm look, here's the thing with Amon Ra. I, I know Yeti is a little bit more skeptical or unless he has changed his stance no. on that. No, um, no, no. I've changed, baby. Okay. Well, I, I mean, it's like new it's, season, new me. <laughs> Amon Ra St. Brown is going to eat. He's going to eat. I'm interested to see what Sam Laporta does and if he is somebody that is going to come in there and and uh, and be a focal point in this offense. And, of course, they have a new running back in there as well. Um Jamison Williams getting suspended, I think, really hurt uh, or benefited Amon Ross St. Brown. Hurt me personally because I've been high on JMO for a while, and this really does it does hurt it. But I agree with you. I think that with him being out, it's Amon it's Amon Ra's show again. So I, I love Amon Ra. I, I think most people tend to agree with that. If he's around, they're going to be taking him. So, uh, Alan, can I ask you a would you rather question here? Sure. Would you rather okay. see me naked? Or Jabba the Hutt naked. Oh, no brainer. Well, I think we've seen Jabba the Hutt naked, haven't we? Because he's not wearing clothes in those movies. I don't know if he's wearing pants. I didn't look. I didn't. Either. I'll still take you either way. Thanks. I don't need that information. <laughs> okay. Now we'll let you guys. <laughs> right. Let's let's get the wheels back on the train here. All right. So let's say Saint Brown, uh, Devontae Adams, and C.D. Lamb are all on the board. Who are you taking out of those three? That's a good question. Hmm. So you give me Devonte, CD, CD, in the raw. Dog. You know I don't fuck this. And this up. is probably <laughs> I still like the raw dog. I Devonte is going to be in an interesting situation where we've seen ups and downs with that offense. Do you trust? Do you trust Tana Thrill? Um, maybe, maybe not. I I still like Amon Ra. I seriously, I didn't. That wasn't like just fucking talking out of the side of my mouth thinking he's going to be top two three wide receivers and points i'm gonna take him no i those are the i no i i respect it and i agree with you i'd be taking amon Ra over both those guys as well Devontae adams was my do not draft guy last week like i'm i'm not touching Devontae adams with a 10-foot pole i don't care how good he is as a wide receiver he's playing with jimmy garoppolo and jimmy g has never supported a top 10 wide receiver aside from Debo samuel when Debo Samuel was playing running back. So yeah, I, I agree with you. And CD Lamb, we've talked about that offense and and I, I tend to agree. I think without Kellen Moore there, that offense is going to look a little bit different and there's concerns there. So between those three, I would be taking Amon Ra. I don't know. I'm I'm curious as to what you think, Eddie. Um I I think St. Brown is probably the safest of the three. And I, I tend to agree with Alan that I think St. Brown has potential to finish inside the top five pretty easily. Not I'd say, yeah, he's a safe top five pick this year um, for wide receivers. C.D. Lamb, I have a little concern about just with that offense regressing. Devontae Adams, I'm not as low on as a lot of people are. And if Devontae Adams does slip to me in the third round, I'm still going to draft him. Or if he falls to me in the late second, like I'm still going to draft him. Um, I, I think I'm not being a Raider homer here, but I think his talent just outweighs his situation. And I think this Raider team is going to have to throw the ball, especially if Josh Jacobs is gone. They're going to be playing from behind quite a bit. The volume is going to be there for one of the best wide receivers the NFL has seen in the past five years. Okay. Or over the past five years. So, I I, I mean, long story short, I like St. Brown. Okay. I'll take him over the other two. Okay. And who'd you bring as your second uh, draft day target today? So, with this one, I kind of reached in the barrel, guys. Um I, I wanted to get down and dirty yeah, with this one. Get all filthy like Antonio Gibson. Uh, Gibby. Th- this might be a big surprise Gibby. to some people. I know. Um, oh, Gibson Lord. was one of my favorite guys to pick on last season. Um, before the season, I said you need to fade him. He was going. I think he was a. He was going in the first five rounds last season, and I was telling people, don't stay away, stay away, because they had drafted Brian Robinson. Well, things have changed this year, fellas. Brian Robinson, he he was the pseudo starter last season for Washington, and he didn't look that great. He, he got he shot got in the leg. Body. He got shot in the leg, leg, yes, but he wasn't efficient with his carries, towards, even towards the end of the season when he should have been healthy. 
Um, so Brian Robinson, lack of efficiency. JD oh, McKissick, yeah. he was another guy who I was worried about stealing carries or targets from Gibson last season. He's gone. All right, so that leaves Brian Robinson and Antonio Antonio Gibson. With J.D. McKissick no longer being on this team, I think Gibson is in line to kind of take over even more of that J.D. McKissick role, or dare I say the Jarek McKinnon role that we have seen in Kansas City. Oh, and by the way, Washington, they just so happen to get Eric Bieniemy, who was the offensive coordinator in Kansas City. I know there's a lot of debate, or you you we all know Andy Reid calls the shots in Kansas City, but Eric Bieniemy is probably going to take a lot of what uh, Andy Reid did and spin it in his own ways in Washington. If he does that, I, I don't see why Antonio Gibson, who is being drafted in the 10th round as running back 33, can't finish inside of the top 20 for running backs. You think backs he's going to be a top PPR 20 leagues. running back? I think he will be a top 20 running back in PPR leagues. You look at his stats from last season, played in 15 games, and he was the running back 27. And I think he's going to see even more of a workload this season with Eric B and me at offensive coordinator. So you trust Ron Rivera. That's I Yeti. I thought you were better than this. I thought we had talked about this. Ron Rivera is the epitome of an asshole when it comes to fantasy football, because especially when it comes to backfields, you think B is going to come in and change his opinion. Uh, yeah, okay. I tr- I really do think I'm so. Nervous. I I mean I mean here's and the thing. Here's here's my my counter and and why I don't disagree with you. It's the tenth round. Yeah, it's the tenth round. So I, that's why I'm fine. <laughs> you're gonna give me shit. For you're all, running back you're drunk in the tenth round. round. Yeah, no, you're hammered. Like you're like fuck. I remember. I know this name. Fuck it. I'll take him. So that's why yeah. I'm not gonna. Now, if this was like a sixth or seventh round, I'd be like, really? But. Because this is in the tenth round, you're taking a flyer anyway. So I actually do, I, I don't mind this pick as much as um, good some people. Yeah, with some people are going to be like, why the hell would you take him? Brian Robinson's there, but it's the tenth round. So I, yeah. I don't hate that. I, I actually kind of I I think that you, it's a usable RB two. I'm with you, Yeti. That's, that's a that's a that's a deep cut because those are the same people that are like they get past the first three rounds and they're like, I okay, don't. I don't know who anybody yeah. is anymore. Like <laughs> just like you're playing with like your cousins and they're like, yeah, we you're watch like, football once oh every God. three weeks. I know. I don't know these people for sure. I brought a running back as well. His name's James Conner. So I uh, I'm not choosing James Conner because I'm a Cardinals homer, but I do. I it made me feel a little bit better when I chose James Conner. So. To be honest with you guys, I think that James Conner is probably one of the most disrespected running backs in this upcoming draft, to be honest. So he's being drafted as the RB25 off of the board right now, and his average of ADP on sleeper anyway is 65. So last season, James Conner finished as the RB19 and still missed four games. So he is a very serviceable RB2 with weekly RB1 potential upside. He's a rare breed in today's market because he can do everything. I've seen this man catch passes that I have not seen receivers catch. Like he's he's got really great hands and they they started to use him quite a bit. He was the 13th most targeted running back last season coming in right at 300 yards. Uh, but only one receiving touchdown. So I say this because touchdowns are unpredictable unless you're Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball. So you can't predict the touchdowns, but I do expect that to go up. Because K1 a.k.a. Kyler Murray, he's out to start the season. The Cardinals have done almost nothing to change their offense at all, aside from getting an upgrade in an offensive lineman and sending D-Hop on his merry way. So historically, the Cardinals do not use a running back rotation. But I understand that there's a new head coach and an offensive coordinator, but they didn't do anything at the running back position either. His only threat to the position right now is Keontae Ingram, who's a 6 he was drafted as a sixth round running back last season. So you look at it, this is James Conner's backfield to lose. And I, I do expect James Conner to be the bell cow back on this offense that is probably going to be lackluster. Someone's going to have to move the ball down the field. If James Conner can stay healthy, I think that is such a, a great value grab for me. And I'm taking James Conner in every single draft that I can if if he's uh, if he's around. Like it. Not fighting you on that one. Not fighting me? Yeti, are you fighting me? Yeah, I'm not going to fight. Uh, and I just want to kind of add on to what you said about James Conner because he's he's somebody that I am targeting as well in those later rounds, or I guess he's going around the seventh round or whatever. Um, but 
I know there's a lot of concern without Kyler Murray. He's probably going to miss the first few weeks of five, six weeks of the season, I guess. I don't know. Um, but even without Kyler Murray last season, James Conner was a very, very serviceable running back. In fact, without Kyler Murray on the field last season, Conner averaged 19.6 PPR points per game. And he had 20 touches per game as well. So I think... I know this is a new offensive coordinator. The offense might be a little bit different, but they're going to have to rely on James Conner early in the season without Kyler Murray. So if you have concerns there, I understand them, but don't be worried because James Conner is going to get fed. He is the bell cow back. And that's the other thing too. And I, I I just, I'm going to say this is a blanket statement. There are so many like decent running backs that you can get in the later rounds. Like when I'm drafting this year, I'm I'm definitely going to be looking for wide receivers very early. Like to prototypically yep. the last couple of years for me anyway, my draft strategy has always been typically in that first round you're looking to grab a running back, right? Because you want to get one of those guys who's going to be able to feed you and you're going to be able to set him there and get week to week production out of him. But we're as we start to see the the financial shift that we talked about earlier with running backs, we're seeing it in fantasy a little bit too where these running backs are not getting nearly as productive as some of these wide receivers are. So I think there's some valuable 100%. running backs that you can get a little bit later. A hundred percent. I I started playing fantasy football in an era where it was almost the Bible to go running back, running back. Yeah. In drafting, regardless, didn't matter. Running back, running back. You had to. They were getting fed. They were carrying it. You know, almost. You know, twenty. Twenty plus times. Just a game. eating. Yeah. Eating, and so a hundred percent it shifted because I can't do that anymore. <laughs> no, and I think I think people who are, but there I think there are going to be people who still play on that strategy, and I think they're going to it's going to start to like it's going to bite them in the ass. I think you're going to see that, and yeah. I'm not saying hey look, I'm not saying don't draft somebody like John Taylor if they figured out or Christian McCaffrey like Christian McCaffrey is still going to have his value, but like you're not going to see eight out of the ten first round picks be running backs anymore, especially late in round middle late of first yeah. going into the second. You don't want to grab a running back, then a running back. Cause like you're just missing out on so much. So it's definitely changed. Sure. Who'd you bring is, our, is your oh, uh, next guy uh, for me? So this is a true late, late round stash. And that is Mr. Sky Moore of the Kansas city Chiefs. Is this a Homer now, pick? Homer. Who, no, not really. I mean, there's value here because if you look at the team and where it's happened and what's happened to them from last year to this year, you can point to Sky and say his only touchdown came in the Super Bowl. Shout out Super Bowl! Uh, and you're <laughs> Yo, right because that was his Super Bowl, baby. That was his first <laughs> touchdown was on a wide open in the flat pass play against the Eagles I in the it. Super Bowl. Um, I think when you fast forward to this year, um, you look at maybe some things that he did last year, and he was he was six last year in Yak. And I think that's interesting and in how they used him last year to where they're going to use him this year, this year because I think it's going to fundamentally change. Now, in a juxtaposition to what I said about Amon Ra, the Chiefs do have a pretty tough schedule when you look at secondaries, defenses that they're going to be going up against, which that naturally comes with teams that were good. The previous year, you get the scheduling kind of shaft the next year because you're playing all the top teams. But coming into this year, you don't have Juju. You don't have Mikol. You Kadarius just went down. And you look at that, you look at that team overall. And certainly you have Travis Kelsey who could be is for all intents and purposes the wide receiver one. And you have uh MVS who's probably going to be right there getting a lot of those uh those touches. But for somebody like Sky Moore, I think this is an interesting stash late in rounds, especially if you got burned on him last year, if you got on the wide receiver hype train for him, like he's new and shiny. I think this year, if you're sitting in those later rounds, you're looking to kind of round out your bench, not just kind of picking willy-nilly or going on auto-draft. I think you really want to look at Sky Moore as being a potential option because of what Andy Reid likes to do in drawing up plays. Speaking of Andy Reid... The, the offense that he runs is complex. It has a lot of checks. It has a lot of, you know, alterations all the time. It's a giant playbook, and it takes guys a while, especially if you're a rookie, to figure out what the hell is going on in that offense, what Mahomes is going to check to, what do they want to run, how do they look at defenses. And so him having a whole year in that system under his belt as well, I think is going to benefit him, that team, and ultimately fantasy teams down the line. I think this is a severe late-round stash. I am not saying go sell the farm and go grab him any earlier than one of the last two or three rounds. But I think if he's sitting there late, I think you you can pick him and say this could 
definitely benefit me later on if he ends up producing where he, they just don't have the hands to catch the ball on that team. Let me ask you this question. Uh, we talked about it last year, and I think it's going to continue to be a conversation coming into this year. So, look, Sky Moore, he's going 135th overall. So he's like a mid-13th round guy, right? And that's fine. Are you concerned that, like, uh, you draft him. Let's say we're in a league together and you draft him. What is he? He's a flex position player? Because do you not think that with Patrick Mahomes being Patrick Mahomes, is this offense still going to be just as unpredictable as it was last year where you couldn't trust a single Chiefs player if your name wasn't Travis Kelsey to put him in a starting lineup? Like, does that not have concern for you? I think it does a little bit, but I think that's why you're drafting him late and then he is a flex. I think if he... If Kadarius is out for any extended period of time, listen, uh, Kelsey's getting older. I'm not saying he's exempt from also being like he's going to have to throw to somebody. Agreed. And if if you're looking at positions on this team where Mahomes, listen, he led the league in touchdowns and receiving, you know, and passing yards last year, he's going to throw it. They want to throw it. Andy Reid loves to throw it. And he also loves to throw it on yard on down and distance where you typically would run. And I think this is where Sky, if he can earn the trust of the team, if we're seeing some of the stuff coming out about the practice reports about how he's being used, um, I think it's important to look for guys that could give you some serious value late. So I'm not really concerned because I'm taking him that late, but then I am looking at him at a flex, but I think he has a lot of upside. Yeah, I don't think that, I don't think he's there. a huge risk to take. So I'm not I'm not dogging on it. I'm, I was just curious if that was a concern at all, because I I, I will not be touching any Chiefs players this year unless it's Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey, because I, I don't I don't want to deal with the headache. I played that game. I played that game with MVS last year, and it it sucked because you couldn't, on a weekly basis, you just couldn't trust it. So that that was my only concern with with more. But I agree. I do think this is a very difficult uh, a difficult playbook to learn, and and it it takes rookies time. So I I think there's certainly potential. Yeti, did you have anything else on Sky Moore? No, I I honestly like it for a late round pick. Obviously, you're not expecting to start him right away, and I, I think. Sky Moore did burn a lot of people last season. So people are going to be like, eh, I don't really want to touch him. But if you're looking to just stash somebody that could potentially pop off, because you know, the second he pops off, people are going to be like, oh shit, I should have rostered him. Why isn't he not on my team? There's trade bait. There's a potential bye week guy. Sure. So sure. I like it. Who'd you bring as your last guy for the, uh, the draft day targets there, Big Tony? All right, so my last guy for this episode. He's had a very weird offseason. Joe Mixon, running back for the Cincinnati Bengals. All right. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Where do we start with Joe Mixon? Uh, This guy, he almost got cut. He's been having legal issues off the field. We don't know if he's going to be suspended. Who knows what's going on? But... Joe Mixon is currently the 17th running back off the board right now, which I think is way too low for a guy that finished top 10 last season and has potential upside to finish top five, maybe. Now, top five might be a reach here, but if I can get Joe Mixon as my RB1. He's going to RB17 on Sleeper right now. I'm sorry to interrupt you. That's freaking wild rb 17 wow i understand there is some concern here with the legal issues because he can he can be suspended by the nfl for uh misconduct so he could miss four games which i don't think is gonna it would necessarily hurt him that much because while joe mixon isn't old he is 27 years old and i think missing four weeks wouldn't be just like a break. It's, 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 a it's break. a little break. Yeah. And it's going to be early in the season where we need Joe Mixon to produce is in the later part of the season, obviously. Um, but I'll get more into the stats here now. So last season, Joe Mixon, he had 200, 270 touches in 15 games. Uh, he missed two games due to a linger, lingering concussion. Didn't have any ankle injuries or knee injuries that have plagued him in the past, knock on wood. Um, but he also had a career high 75 targets and 60 receptions last year with the Bengals, which is a very promising stat. Um, typically, Samarje Pirine was kind of their third down back in Cincinnati. Pirine is no longer with the Bengals. He is with Denver. 
I, I'm not saying Joe Mixon is just going to pseudo get all of P. Ryan's targets, but P. Ryan em- empties up 38 targets from last season. So if even if Mixon sees half more, or, you 15, know, 15 points more targets, yeah, that's 90 targets for a running back that's going RB17 right now. He's going in the fourth I'm, round. I'm, I'm taking him. Yeah, uh, like a, that's, his, that's value. His, his efe- efficiency took a dip last year. But the volume is going to be there for him to finish in the top 10. And he's on a very explosive offense that gets to the red zone often. So I am slamming Joe Mixon. uh, That's a little disrespectful. I'm going to be honest with you. He fell quite a bit. So I agree with you, man. I like this a lot, actually. And I'm I I mean, like Kenneth Walker's going before Mixon. Gibbs is going before Mixon. I'd rather have or ETN and Harris are going before Gibson or Mixon, excuse me. Like I think Mixon's a much safer grab than than a lot of those guys. So that's crazy. I did not realize that's a good good eye there, Yeti, because that is that is a little disrespectful. Yeah, I have Joe Mixon rated inside of my personal top ten for running backs. Um, I think he's going to finish higher than Derrick Henry, Tony Pollard, Brees Hall, Stevenson, Najee. ETN, I think he's better than all those guys. Yeah, I think, and, and he's in a bunch better situation because he kind of like we, you know, when I was talking about James Conner, Joe Mixon, like you said, he catches balls out of the backfield too. So historically, the Bengals have used him in all all facets of the game. So whether they're passing or they're running, Joe Mixon's on the field when he's healthy. So I, yeah, I agree with you. I think that's that's crazy. Did you have something to add to that, Alan? No, I didn't. I think last year was he was kind of up and down, so I could see why maybe people would put him that low because it's that consistency piece. But I think you're right. Moving P. Ryan, removing P. Ryan from the equation, certainly, if he is up and down, he's going to be up and down with a lot more, a lot more target share. So Agreed. I'm definitely with you. That's a good one. All right, the last guy that I brought to the draft day targets is none other than Jerry Judy, baby. So Jerry Judy. He's being drafted as wide receiver 25 right now in PPR formats, right? And I think, I, to be honest with you, I think Judy's a potential steal. And and here we go. So he finished last season as wide receiver 22. And I think there's a pretty good case for him to finish above that. So let's look at the numbers. I get it. I understand. It's the Broncos, right? The Broncos were fucking terrible last year. Russell Wilson, he burnt, he burnt, he, he cooked all the food and he burnt all of it. It was terrible. But I think there's some there's optimism here, and we've kind of talked about it. You know, it, Sean Payton is here now. Sean Payton is a much better head coach than Nathaniel Hackett was, and I think we're going to see a much different Broncos offense. Last year, Judy, on average, finished with 13.6 points per game, and he missed two games. So if he stayed at the same pace and he actually played all those games, he actually would have finished as wide receiver 14, which is really crazy to think about because – Getting any production out of any of the Broncos players last year for fantasy football was a dream, but he was he was closer to top ten if if he would have played in those two games than a lot of people I think realize. So the Broncos they didn't do a whole lot offensively to change things. They did add Marvin Mims in there, the rookie wide receiver, but um, I, I don't think it's a shock to anybody that Jerry Judy is the wide receiver one on this offense, and that's the way it's going to be this upcoming season. The Broncos, there were some concerns last season that Cortland Sutton was going to be the wide receiver one, and it wasn't Jerry Judy, and it was a battle back and forth. But at the end of the day, we saw that it was Jerry Judy. And then the Broncos have even come out and stated that they were were looking to sell Cortland Sutton this offseason and move him somewhere else. So that tells me Jerry Judy's in a very secure place. He's the wide receiver one for this team. And... People like Drake London and Scary Terry are both going before Judy, and I'm I'm going to be dra- grabbing Judy before either of those players. So I I might even reach for him a little bit, depending upon who's still on the board. But I I really think he is he could be much more valuable than wide receiver twenty five. So he's my last draft day target. I like that one. Thank you. I also I think, and I know I've said it on a previous episode. I. I think Russ rebounds. There's no way that that's who he is overall. There's no way. I think for him and his legacy overall too, I think if he backs it up with another one of these, you're really going to look at what he did in Seattle kind of like. Was uh, it was it Pete like, Carroll or was it Russell? Was it the Legion? Was it the Legion of Boom? Also Pete Carroll? Did it prop him up? You know, there's a, there's a lot there. So I think for the sake of his legacy, he almost has to have a big year. That's why I'm almost banking on he's not going to mess this up. And he's got 
Sean Payton. And He's got some stuff working for him. Yeah, that's the other thing for me is Sean Payton could have gone to a multitude of teams, one of them being the Cardinals. Like he was he was shopping around and he got to pick and choose pretty much, not entirely, but pretty close. He could have went anywhere. He could have been like, yeah, I'm not going to coach. So for him to come out of coaching and say, I'm going to go coach the Broncos and be here, that tells me that he he has some plans and ideas for this team and and there really is nowhere to go but up for this team if you if you watched him last year. So I uh, I really like Jerry Judy, and he's somebody that I'm I'm pretty optimistic that is going to finish much better than wide receiver 25 where he's currently being drafted at. I think one of the attractive things about the Broncos this season is that they have so many weapons, but I also think that is kind of it hurts Judy's value a little bit. And I, I know the the play doesn't lie for Jerry Judy. He if you look at him and Sutton on the field. Judy is the de facto wide receiver one, but the target share is, is my biggest concern. Um, they played 10 games together last season and Judy barely out targeted Sutton by four targets. Um, you add a healthy Tim Patrick into the mix, Greg Dulcich, he's going to be a weapon to use. They added P Ryan, uh, Javante Williams. If he gets healthy, are they going to use him out of the backfield? I, I almost think there's too many weapons for my liking. And I'm just, I agree that Denver's offense is going to be better. I just don't know who it's going to be like a weekly, weekly roulette, I feel like, with this offense. Sure. But let me ask you this like, would you be looking to draft Drake London or, or Jerry Judy? Because uh, I would take London. Really? I would I, take see, London I wouldn't because, because I'm, I'm concerned with that offense i'm concerned with bajan robinson i'm concerned with the falcons running the ball i'm concerned with the quarterback play is very concerning to me so while i like drake london as a prospect i would i think jerry judy is a much safer option for me it's funny you mentioned that because they almost have like the same issues in a lot (laughs) of ways yes you know both those teams like in different stages of quarterbacks careers kind of have the same you're kind of nervous about okay who's getting what who are they going to do what's the consistency going to be like that's an interesting comparison between the two what would you take yeah. london or judy break the tie i was gonna t- i was gonna take london you're gonna take london okay i'm mm-hmm. on the london train as well well then i'll I let like you him. draft him right before me and then i'll <laughs> just get jerry in value deal okay i think uh i think to to kind of wrap that up is i think judy is gonna be i think he's he's gonna have one of those seasons where it's like not doing anything not doing anything you're watching the game not doing anything big touchdown touchdown like, okay cool cool <laughs> yeah got, i got what i needed out of it you know what i mean but that's yeah. what you're counting on is him being a usable yeah. wide receiver too so it's not like you're expecting yep. him to go out there and beat jamar chase yep. you're expecting him to hopefully get you double digit points and stay in wide receiver two contention and i think that he it's certainly doable on a weekly basis or even if you use jerry as a flex like i mean you look at where he's going right now like he's jerry judy is fifth round i think so that's like you're talking yeah he's 56 overall so you're talking like middle to fifth round that's flex contention and i would love Jerry Judy right there Mm -hmm. so i'm not i'm not complaining about it so you have one more though do you not alan i do i have one more um, and you're going to follow me on a journey. Um, but my last one is Evan Ingram. Okay. Tight end out of Jacksonville. Now, a couple things come into play. Uh, one, he just signed a new contract. Um, so he's now getting paid as well. A three-year, $42 million deal. Um, you look at how he finished last year. Now, he's coming off career highs, which you're kind of like, okay, is it going to come back down to earth? Is he going to improve on that? But if you look and dive into what Evan did last year, it started off rocky. He was dropping passes. He was kind of doing the same old shit he was doing in New York. And now you look at him with um, Doug Peterson in Jacksonville, and he started to pick it up at the end of last year. I know because I had him on my team last year, and I kept starting him, and it started to pay off towards the end of a playoff push where he was getting receptions. He was getting touchdowns. I think he finished. I'm sorry. I pulled up his stats. He had 10 targets one game and only finished with eight points. Yeah, that was early yeah. in the season, but I was just like, what yes, the hell's going was, on here? That well, that's what I was saying. What the yeah. hell was going on here? You know, he finished with uh, 73 receptions for 766 yards, and it was on the heels of the start of how that season went. And if you look at Doug Peterson off of the Andy Reid coaching tree, they do like to use them some tight ends. And I think they were figuring that out towards the end of last year. And he was also critical in that comeback win over the Chargers. where he had seven receptions, 93 yards and a touchdown. This team is going to want to be using their tight end. And you add Calvin, a healthy, ready to go, no longer gambling Calvin Ridley to the mix. I think you're going to see it open up even more how Doug Peterson is going to want to play. Remember, it is that Andy Reid coaching tree. 
they do love them some tight ends and they like to feature them often. I think he is going to creep up. Now he's going after all the top guys, but he's in the range of like a Darren Waller who has some question marks, a Pat Fryermuth who has some question marks. And I think if you're looking at a tight end, you missed out on all those top guys. I think Evan Ingram, if you extrapolate what they were figuring out as a team to end the season, all the highs they had at the end of that season and then coming into next season, I think you're going to see a little bit more juice uh, for Evan Ingram next year. And I would anticipate either I, – I, I think – all those numbers are going to go up. I think he's going to set career highs again this year, and that's going to kind of be what he's going to be with this team and in this offense. I don't hate Evan Ingram. I don't. I'm not. I, that wasn't a big sigh. Like I hated this because where he's going at. Like he, here's the thing with tight ends, right? And this has always been my my mantra when it comes to it. If you're not driving, tra- excuse me. If you are not drafting Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews, you're not touching a tight end till way late in the draft. Right. Because the value, the the value proposition isn't there. Like, it's just not. And yeah, you can make an argument for Kittle or or Waller, but it's the tight end position and it's a crapshoot every single week. It's frustrating. Even Mark Andrews last year was incredibly frustrating. Like he he wasn't great because there was issues with his quarterback and he struggled to stay healthy. I was going to say, no, if you lose your quarterback, that's really hard to get the ball. Exactly. And I'm, I'm not, but like, I'm just saying for where, where people drafted Mark Andrews out last season, you didn't feel as if you got that, that value you were expecting from the previous season. You know what I mean? So tight ends are something that I, I try and stray away from at the very beginning. But I think Evan Ingram is is a value for where he's going at because if you do take that that tight end mantra and you wait until the later rounds, he could end up behooving your team very well. So that's my thought on it. I don't I don't hate Evan Ingram. I do have some concerns with Calvin Ridley potentially taking some of that target share away with Christian Kirk because Christian Kirk is not a wide receiver one, got paid like a wide receiver one, didn't play like a wide receiver one, and now they have a Hopefully, we'll see. Calvin really hasn't played in a while, but we'll see how he plays. So there's just a lot. There's some unknown there. Obviously, I think Evan Ingram's he's going to be a part of this offense, of course. But I don't know what this offense looks like going into the next season. I would personally, and it's it's funny because their ADP is one draft mark apart. I think I'd prefer Pat Fryermuth over Evan Ingram solely because I think Kenny Pickett's going to take some strides. This is just me personally. What did Kenny Pickett do last year that makes you think he's going to take? Did you he forget tries? about Darnell Washington? He, I don't think Darnell. I don't. Yeah, I did forget about Darnell, but I don't think Darnell Washington is going to be anything crazy. Pat Fryermuth was wide receiver two on this team. Statistically, he saw the second most targets in this offense. So I don't think Pat Fryermuth is going anywhere, and I, I expect Kenny Pickett to take some strides. Now, same argument could be made for Evan Ingram. I'm not saying that that's not the case. So I. It's going to be. Well, a, you were you were using Kenny Pickett as a reasoning for taking Fryermuth when Trevor Lawrence is sitting there. No, no, no. Well, I'm not saying that Kenny Pickett's better than Trevor Lawrence. I don't think that. I just I know that Pat Fryermuth was getting targeted a shit ton by Kenny Pickett, and I expect Kenny Pickett to be a little bit better next season. And I I still think Muth, even when Muth had tree trunks for legs, he was still getting targeted quite a bit. So I. Uh, I mean, I, I think that's a valid thing to say because Ingram's 85 and the Muth is literally 86, so he's the next pick on the ADP board. There's an argument there, and I think it's probably preference. But I I will throw out one more nugget for this Evan Ingram. And I'll, I'll, this, this might be my Kyle Pitts this year. Who knows? Yes. But if you, look at the, if you look at a Doug Peterson offense and when a guy was hitting his strides, that was Zach Ertz. And if you look around what was happening Zach Ertz after before, that was Dougie P offense. That is what happens. They get featured, they eat, and then they score. And I feel like that's what he's slotted to be in is jump up and kind of be that same kind of player. And that that's could push me over. Yeah, no, that is a good that is a good nugget because that could be the difference. You know what I mean? I, I'm they're both right there. And with Evan Ingram, I think it's important to note that he had an average uh, depth of target of six yards. So it's not like he's getting all these deep shots. He's basically Trevor Lawrence's safety blanket. And I know Calvin Ridley is the new shiny piece of this offense, but There's some I'm not on. as high. There's I'm not high on Ridley at all. I, I don't think he's going to be one of those guys that's going to command a wide receiver one status on this offense, um, especially when they, they are a well-oiled machine that just made the playoffs. I mean, they almost knocked off the eventual Super Bowl champs. I think this offense is 
like I said, it's a it's a machine, and it goes through Evan Ingram, and it goes through Christian Kirk. Calvin really is going to have to figure out how to play with this offense. Let me ask you this question, Yeti. Would you rather draft Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper, or Scary Terry? Put those in an order without looking at, at statistics and the ADP. You said Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper, or who? And Scary Terry. Oh, you know, I got a sweet spot for Scary <laughs> Terry. I know. Man. You love oh. him. You love him. Um, um, if I have to pick between the three, though, I think I'm banking on Deshaun Watson's comeback, and I'm going to go Amari Cooper. Okay. As number one, who would be your number two? Uh, scary Terry. Okay. And number three, Calvin Ridley. And I ask you this because Calvin Ridley's going before both of those people in ADP formats. And I, I am also banking on the Watson. Cooper's my number one. I think I'd rather take the risk on, on Ridley as number two. I, I, you know me. You know that I am not as high on Scary Terry. Scary Terry's been a very serviceable wide receiver, too. It'd probably be Scary Terry just because I, I know what I'm getting in Ridley's. Ridley has a, a potentially higher ceiling, but he also has a much lower floor for me. So I, Scary's the safer pick, I think. But um, Okay. Well, gentlemen, is there anything else we'd like to discuss before we get the hell out of here? Okay. No. All Let's right. go. I appreciate you guys being here today. It's been a, a long time. I hope uh, I hope we can all three jump on the mic and do this more often because we've we've all been very busy with our own personal lives. But it's good to uh, it's good to talk to you boys and talk shop. So hopefully uh, hopefully we'll have time to keep doing this. So yes, so, sir. All right, boys, we are out. If you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you tune into our new releases every week on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and check out leatherbrains.com for all of your fantasy football needs. And remember, Brainiacs, a championship should be more than a fantasy.